Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Than Macros Radio. I'm your host, Coach B. Let's talk about how I can help you figure your shit out when it comes to all the BS and the trends in the nutrition and fitness industry. I am a nutrition coach that understands the hurdles that women face every day, as I too am a wife and a mother, which is why a sustainable lifestyle can't just consist of tracking your macros. Join me each week as I, or sometimes we, talk about everything from health, wellness, nutrition, mindset, body, and fitness. The goal of this podcast is to have you think more about your habits and behaviors, your relationship with food, and for you to get really curious about where you are right now and where you want to be. If you've been struggling with your health and wellness and achieving your goals, you cannot afford to miss out on this podcast. Thanks for listening. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to More Than Macros Radio. I'm your host, Coach B, and today I have a really exciting guest. Not the typical kind of guest where I would have someone talking only nutrition and stuff like that. Although we're talking about the nutrition business, it's not specific to fat loss or anything like that. I think generally speaking, we're talking about the industry. Um, this is, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I was a little like, ooh, nervous talking with you, having this ability or this opportunity to talk with you, Mike, but this is Mike Dola. Um, I want to say you're like a retired dad. So before I jump into that, I would love for you to kind of like explain who you are, um, you know, what, what your experience is in the business and um, yeah, a little bit more about yourself and we'll kind of start from there. Yeah, so I guess my last job was the business I started, Stronger You Nutrition. I was the founder and CEO. I started it in 2015 after many years of not knowing what the heck I wanted to do with myself. I worked in banking. I worked in human resources. But I wanted to get into the field I liked, which was fitness and nutrition. Uh, started that thing. Got kind of crazy busy out of nowhere. Uh, We just got clients really good results. We were a breath of fresh air for many people. I ended up quitting my full-time job. I hired a bunch of coaches because I didn't have uh, the help. I had more clients than I knew what to do with. And we just kind of grew rapidly through word of mouth, uh, became one of America's fastest growing companies on the Inc. 5000 list. And then I sold the company to the parent company of Anytime Fitness in 2021, I believe, Stayed on for a little while, decided that I wanted to just be retired dad. Uh, My wife just gave birth to a baby girl. We found out we were pregnant with another one. I didn't want to be distracted because I'm, uh, as much as I tell people not to be all in, when I was working, I was all in. I was kind of a crazy person. So I just wanted to be dad and take a step back and still get my fix and help people in the nutrition industry just for fun. Um, with posts and comments and talking to people like you and just doing my thing. So now I'm on just this quest to just help people have a good life, um, share my wisdom wherever I can and my experiences and just be good dad and have a good time in life. And you know what, Mike, that's what really attracted me to you. Now I followed you a long time ago and then I followed you and and then I actually, I did a, um, at one point in time, there was a, a, a phase of my um, nutrition business where I was a public and then I went private mm. because I was a little nervous about being public because I didn't know what being online meant, but I also didn't want my kids to be in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was posting yeah. everything I was doing and stuff. So I unfollowed a lot of things. And then I, you know, um, years later, I just, you know, started to really gain that traction back with people that I truly felt were an influence in this business that I could trust. And you're one of those people. And Thank that's you. what I love about 
this whole situation with you and I talking because I do, I want to pick your brain about sharing the wisdom. Um, you, it sounds like, and, and it's quite obvious, you were very successful at coaching and having this amazing company. Um, but like for someone like myself, who's been in the business a very long time and proud to still be here, it's kind of like, uh, it's almost like I may not be doing the right things. And that's kind of like what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about. When you first started, did you ever hire a business coach or have any of that influence? No, I never hired a business coach. I just, I don't know what it was that, that allowed me to do well right from the start. I think I just knew what the clients needed. I knew what kind of grew business, which was if somebody was a potential customer, they need to see what you can do for them. Yeah. And I just would build trust and that would happen. So I would read books and stuff like that, but I didn't hire a business coach because I felt like one, I wouldn't know who to hire. And two, I feel like there's just too much scammy stuff out there with business coaches and my super judgmental opinion on the field of business coaching is I don't know what the hell these business coaches have done themselves. So I don't want to trust them with my business. And I also think that if you hire a business coach and they have you do things that they think you should do, that might not necessarily be what you want to do. And that's really hard to run a business doing things that you don't want to do. That's why I think a lot of people do well in our field because they're, they're in the field that they enjoy and they genuinely want to help people. So it kind of aligns very well. So business coaching is interesting. Um, obviously, you need to get inspiration from people who have been there and done that. But you have to be picky and choosy with what that information is and understand why it works, which is probably what we'll get into today, which I have lots of crazy ideas, but I have reasons for those ideas. And I hope yeah. it makes sense for, for people. And, you know, and I kind of wanted to ask you those thoughts on it, but you kind of just explained it. Um, I've I've hired business coaches mm -hmm. and I would say that the return on investment has never been zero. Mm -hmm. What it has been though is learned experiences of what I would never do. Um, it's yeah, their hard lessons to learn because they cost a lot, but there was a, gosh, you, you recorded a podcast where I'm just like, Oh my God, he's, he's, he's doing the things. And he did, he said all the things that was once me. And then I got influenced by all these you need to hire a business coach and you need to do this and do that. And so I will be the first one to say I've fallen into that quote unquote trap in my right. opinion. It was a trap because you're told that in order to be successful, you should have this many followers. You should have this much going for you and you should be making this much money and you should be scaling. If you're not scaling, you're not successful. Yeah. All of those things were like, okay, I've got less at the time. I had like less than 1500 followers. I wasn't scaling. I was busy. Yep. But I'm just like, in my brain, I'm thinking, well, what is scaling me? Well, you better have, you know, 50 to 100 clients, you know, every single day type of scenario, or you should be making six figures, seven figures. You know what I mean? And so like, for me, I was heavily influenced in that. And then I was influenced with those who did do some, you know, have some success. And of course, they're preaching to you that this is what they got from this coach. And so, I mean, I'm not here to say, you know, or bash anybody either. But I will say, do your homework. Yeah. Because what I've learned is that I was already doing the things. I just need to take action on what truly matters to me. And Mike, you, you alluded to something along the lines of like, you end up doing things that you may not want to do. And that right. was me with my last coach. I was so busy doing 
um, sales pages and funnels and copy that I'm like, you're not what even is working going in the field here? anymore. You're working in the sales field at that point, which is obviously you need to sell what you do, but yeah, it's it's That's a wild coaching, game though. out there. And then and, and it doesn't feel a lot of it's like I don't want to say scammy, but it's it's a little aggressive sometimes. Yeah, and you almost feel bad. Like I have some pretty some pretty profound uh, or controversial thoughts on sales in our field. I don't think you should really work on selling people because you're probably just going to convince someone to sign up who doesn't really want to be a member or a client. And I just don't think there's there's any benefit or anywhere in this world where it goes well when you convince someone to get into a relationship. And that's what coaching is. Yeah, I I would have to agree with you there. When when you look at your your business, I mean, clearly I would call it a success, but what do you truly be, uh, believe defines a successful coaching business? Because is it scaling? Is it having 50 clients? Is it being, you know, thousands of dollars in the bank account? You know what I mean? Like what defines yeah. success in our industry today? Well, this is probably just like our, our members or our clients. Our success is different from someone else's success. So if someone's trying to, I guess, imitate my story, they're probably not going to be successful because that story is crazy and there's a lot of luck and circumstance and it's just a nutty story in our field. But if someone just wants to have a good quality life, pay their bills, not be stressed and help a lot of people, there's probably a really, there's probably a lot of successful coaches out there. Just like our, our clients who, you know, maybe they want to lose a hundred pounds, but they lose 50 and they're more mobile and they're healthier and they feel good. Like that's successful. So it's all about our our expectations. And when I got into the field, I really just said, I just want to help some people and end up quitting my job and have enough money to pay my bills. That was my goal. My goal was never to build a company that would sell for millions of dollars. That This is just like, it's like a what the heck situation. I just wanted to help a few people and pay my bills. And that's where I think most coaches should get to and what I think most coaches can do and that's really what's going to make you happy. You're going to feel satisfied because you're going to do the thing. You're going to help people. You're going to pay your bills. And you're going to have a job you like in a world that em- most people employed do not like their jobs. They don't admit that because it's it's a painful reality of the world we live in. And coaches are paid to work in a field that they love, that helps people have better lives. That's the success right there. You don't have to make a boatload of money. You just have to do that. I would agree with you. And I think that's kind of where even people can probably feel not feel successful because there's this, there's this demand for you. And then you're told by a business coach that you should increase your prices. Yeah. Charge your worth and all that. So what are your thoughts behind that too? Because here's again, another mistake I made. I heard that and I thought, yeah, here's all the things I can do. In the meantime, I don't have a PhD or anything, but somehow I'm charging more than a PhD in a therapy session. And I'm just like, I start to really think about this. Like I am no longer affordable and I'm like, I'm up here in Canada and like, like, sure, we got free healthcare and all that, but I'm not covered under benefits. So here I am charging, you know, these hundreds of dollars per month. I'm getting client success, but 
not everybody can afford that, but Hey, I'm valued at that. So what are your thoughts behind that value system that we're putting as coaches too? Because we are told that we are doing all these things for these clients and we should therefore be charging our work. Yeah. It's so the, the comment of like, know your worth is like, what the heck does that mean? It's, it, it has no meaning. So I am of the belief that especially when you're first starting, you need to charge like pretty, pretty, pretty low prices because you're going to get more people in the door. They're going to become your marketing. They're going to become your sales force. They're going to become your practice so you can hone your skills as a coach and then maybe raise a little bit. So I think it's all about like what makes you sleep at night, what allows the people you want to help to have access to you. Um, I think our industry is is very ego-driven with pricing, especially from these business coaches when they say know your worth. And you're right. They literally convince you to charge about more per hour than some lawyer's cost, yep. some accountant's cost. And it's like, guys, let's back up a second. Our industry is filled with people who just got online certifications, which are fine. I got some of them, but this is not the same education and worth that someone that goes through law school charges. So I get into debate into debates with people all the time on pricing. My whole point is charge an amount that people that you want to help can pay. How much can give you the income you want that also allows you to sleep at night. And people don't understand that if you charge high ticket prices and you only have 20 clients, there's only 20 people in your network who can grow your business for you. Yeah. For me, when I was coaching and I had lower prices and I had hundreds of clients myself, I had a whole network of people I could sell to. So I didn't care if I made a bunch of money on one person because I knew I would make it over time with all of their networks. Now, you can't do that if you charge super high prices and have a tiny network. Do you know, Mike, you're speaking my language because I had, I went through this whole, like this last year was really a, a um, it was growth for me from a personal standpoint, mm -hmm. business standpoint, stuff like that. And understanding truly what I wanted from this industry. Cause there was a point in time and I'm not going to sit here and, and, and be bullshitting. Like there was a point in time where I'm like, do I really want to continue doing this? Because I right. felt like it was going up an, uh, an uphill battle, even though I'd been here for so long and. I refuse to quit, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I realized about myself is that I was charging too much. I was way out of the scope for most of my clients. And what I realized when I was going back without talking to a business coach, this is me. And, you know, with the help of even my accountant saying, well, let's look back. When were you most successful in terms of like your happiness, everything, right? And I'm like, I'm looking back when I charged the least amount and I had more client load, believe it or not. Right. Because I wasn't in a place where I thought, because here, here's my thought. I'm charging this much money. Therefore, I better be give, 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 giving. Like I'm giving them so much in a check-in that I'm exhausted from that check-in. Yeah. So yeah, 20 clients, that's great. And but a lot I, of that check-in might, it might be like a, a waste of information. Like clients don't need all that much. Like everybody's busy. They don't need paragraphs and paragraphs of information because they're going to forget it in five minutes anyway. <laughs> Someone like myself who could talk a lot, I feel bad for my clients. So like, yeah, like I went back and I'm like, I was more successful when I was charging this amount. So I'm here today letting people know that I have absolutely owned my shit and I've reduced my, my coaching mm -hmm. and uh, my cost. And I don't actually care if people are saying, well, you used to charge. Yeah, I used to. 
but I've reevaluated and this is, and I don't care if I have the same systems in place, like I'm still using the same client portals. It's bullshit to be like, I'm going to charge you this because I have a new sophisticated system and it's outside of my Google docs. No. So like there's that. But the other thing is, is that I did my very best when all I did was give out a lot of free content, answering DMS, um, having people on my free Facebook page and doing the thing that really lit me up. And so like last year it was hard because I felt like I was like, I have to charge this much money. I had so much pressure on myself to show up because I gave myself a number at the end of the year. And I'm like, so many things that were out of my control. So like, that's why I wanted to have you on here because people think they need all these things. Like coaches think they need all these things to be successful. So I have to ask you this question. What did Mike have in place with his business to be where it was and to even where it ended for you? It was it was pretty much the same the whole way through. When I started coaching people myself, I had a spreadsheet that everyone would get when they signed up. They would fill it out weekly, turn it in. I would review it, give them information, also talk to them during the week whenever they wanted. And then when we hired coaches, they had their spreadsheet that they would send to someone. And it would just multiply and then eventually we built an app, but it wasn't needed. Like it was just a fancy, easier way for people to check in with some cool technology and, you know, resources. But for the most part, like we were doing multiple millions of dollars a year in revenue with spreadsheets and people text messaging us. So you don't need this stuff. Um, everybody thinks you do. And I'm, I mean, I'm just one example maybe, but you don't need it. People need easy stuff. And an email and a spreadsheet and a text message is that's all people want. They want connection. They don't want to be distracted by all this crazy, confusing and inconsistent or unreliable technology. And that's what happens. Sometimes you you have technology and that's a customer service issue because if it goes down, that might not be your fault because you don't control the servers and, you know, some other state or whatever, but Email doesn't really break. Spreadsheets don't really break. Text messages don't break. So you guys have to think about that too. I agree with you because I do have, um, I did move from Google and I moved to uh, Apotheo. That's the the onboarding system I use. But again, see, I moved because in my brain, I'm thinking, oh, I hated onboarding people because it was just like, it's it's more streamlined, 100%. Yeah, it's more streamlined. It's so much more streamlined. Yeah. But there are still problems. I have to have, I have to give so many instructions about how to integrate my fitness pal, integrate this, integrate that. Don't forget to send this. And if you as the coach don't remember to take things off, they're automatics, you know? So like for an example would be people who not everybody likes to do progress pictures. Okay. But if it's an automatic and you have to required field, then you're back in there and you're answering these things and they can't progress. And then all that stuff. And I do have, like I work with women my age and then some and technology is not their best friend, nor do they want to have another app. Mm-hmm. So like when I think about it this way, even with something like Apotheo, and I'm not here to, to bash them because it's a great tool. Good. As far them. as I know, I know a lot of people that are happy with them. Yeah. So I use them, but then it's the, oh, I have to use my fitness pal because they do, mm-hmm. right? Or a tracking device. And right. then because some things just need voice memos or, you know, email, you know, like there's still all of these things. And sure, it's a one-stop shop, but... Is it? So yeah, like, I agree with you. There's I mean, no, and there's nothing we could do about some of that stuff. Like it's yeah. just how it goes. Members and clients, you, you have to just accept that you might need multiple things to accomplish this goal. 
and it's going to be worth it. But yeah, I, I get it. It's kind of a pain in the butt, but it's the best we got right now. There's nothing that's going to come out that can do everything the way we want it to, to do. So Mike, I heard you talk, I think it was with, um, uh, for Vigor. Yep. Vigor's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard him at, like you guys were talking a little bit about uh, numbers. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think this is one of the things that surprised me the most about your business. Cause I wasn't there. I don't know. I was never coached by you, yep. but like my, and I'm going to share this with you. At one point in time, I would often be that coach who would say, there's no way in hell any coach can have 50 clients and service them well. Yeah. But that is not yeah, true. I mean, I, I proved it wrong. And every single one of our coaches over a hundred since I started the company have proved it wrong. There's this, there's this thought in the industry that you cannot have a certain number of clients and serve them well. As we grew the company, our NPS scores increased, which is just the metric for how many people would promote you to their friends and family versus not tell them. Um, we handled at some times a couple hundred members per coach, usually a little bit lower than that. But we didn't do fitness. We just did nutrition. We were extremely accessible. We knew what we were looking for with check-ins. We had a community of tens of thousands of people who were basically like assistant coaches. So the coaches didn't have to answer every single question because a lot of the times the members would go to the group and get their answers. We had really good resources for them. We had a really good guide when they started that would explain a ton of stuff. Yeah. And they had me, the crazy founder in the group at all times who would answer their questions. Like that's what I did. I interacted with the, with the customers. So and the coaches, like, I'm not looking for kudos from the people that used to work for, for me, but like, I did so much to, to help them on the back end when their yeah. member didn't have to ask them a question, they could just go to the group and know Mike was there. Like there's so much time savings there. But so when I think about it, yeah, I was a coach in the beginning. I had, I had 350 ish clients when I quit my job and hired people and I did that on top of a full-time job. So these people are, if anyone in the field thinks you can't coach a lot of people well, like I did it with a full-time job and that original group of people created all the other clients. Like we grew from word, from word of mouth. We didn't grow from marketing dollars and ads. If we did, I could have served people however, however I wanted. But I knew that that initial group of people, they were going to be basically the family tree of every single person that would ever work with us. So I had to serve them well because for me, like I'm big on like urgency. Like if, if people are waiting for me, I get like anxious. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to just answer. And yes, that's the, at the expense of me doing things I want to do in life and hobbies and interests and stuff like that. But I'm like, if I want to help people and get the hell out of this job, I need to be a crazy person. Yeah. And that's what I did. What would you say to those coaches that's, or like even the business coaches or whatever that say like, because you'll, you'll hear them say you have to grind it out and stuff like that. But is this a practical way to approach it, though? Because I, when you and I first started talk, talking, like you spent a lot of time doing this too, right? Yeah. So like, what would you say to that person who's like, okay, well, I want to be a coach. What does it take to do what you do? Yeah, um, it is. It, it, again, it depends. Like, what do you want? Do you want a potential stronger you situation? And to make, even when I was solo, like I was doing... I was doing more per month in revenue with Stronger You than I was 
a year at my full-time job when I was leaving. That that requires a level of attention and maybe skill set even. Like I hate talking like that, but I, I guess I had to be pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, that I just – I knew what to say. Every time I saw a question from a member, I knew what to say. So I didn't sit there wasting time trying to find answers and it just became this thing that I knew how to reply to everything that came through. It was so fast and I was so efficient and I didn't waste time with all this other crap that everybody thinks you need to do. And I just – I knew what to look for when check-ins came in. I knew what made people happy. I knew what annoyed them. I knew what to say to get them to share and promote the company and it just – we just multiplied it. So people that say you can't help a lot of people and help them well, I just say you probably just lack experience and efficiencies. And that offends people because it's me saying you don't know what you're doing as well as you think and your systems are broken, so fix your shit. Do you know what, though? You're not wrong because I. Yeah. you know what I also hear in there is that – and we can talk a little bit about this. It's like it sounds like you stayed within your scope. Yeah, I didn't talk about all this crap I didn't need to talk about. I wasn't handling the workouts. I was helping them with food and basically how to respond to their friends who made silly comments all the time. Like that's what the coaching was. I I agree with you. And I think that's – and that would be the next question I have for you is like what are some of these biggest challenges that you think the coaches are facing right now? And I mean you and I talked a tiny, tiny bit about this before we press record is like what I feel like is happening and I saw you respond to this on one of your question boxes is like coaches are afraid to do the thing. Yeah, because they are being told well you need mindset certifications you need um, habits of behavior change you need um, personal training you need all these things right but do we really need that okay and so like what defines that success but I'm sorry again going back to my own situation I did all of these things it overwhelmed me my check-ins became huge now I'm charging this fee and I got less clients now making more money I suppose on those one client you know things or whatever but it was overwhelming as a coach. And so like I was, I've always worked on referrals. So if I'm not helping that client enough because I'm so overwhelmed and I'm only, I've only got 20 people, let's say, then how am I growing? And I think that that's part of it. But also too, is that if you are doing so many things, you are leaning a little bit out of a scope. That's probably part of your problem. And now you're not getting clients results. They're not talking about you. So I mean, let's talk a little bit about that because I know for, for one, I see it a lot is client or coaches are actually like when we're talking about fat loss specifically, they're actually afraid to do it. Yeah. In my yeah. opinion, like that's what I'm seeing. Like don't diet because that's somehow bad. That's the message we get out there. It's going to break your metabolism. But then there's like, well, oh, it no, doesn't. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean- <laughs> People just say weird things. And I have very, um, very strong opinions on this. I think everyone needs to back up and ask themselves, what did your client say when they signed up? They probably said something like, I want to lose fat. But coaches have this ego and this save the world mentality and change the narrative of this of society that we shouldn't have people lose fat because they should just be happy where they are. And it's like, yeah. yes, that would be great if we lived in a world that wasn't judgmental and everybody was cool with each other. But the world is kind of messed up. And somebody wants to lose fat for whatever reason. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's vanity. Maybe it's they're getting married and they just want to feel better in a dress. I have no idea. But the fact is they come to us 99% of the time to lose fat and feel better. And coaches are in this weird place where it's like, I'm not going to have them track because it might make them obsessive. 
I'm not going to have them lose fat because I want to make sure they build the habits to maintain and all this. And it's like, just give them what they want, sell them what they need. You can do all the habits with the tracking. Like we had almost every single person track their macros and calories and they did so well. They lost weight. They got great results. They changed their behaviors around food. They understood themselves. So like when people are bashing tracking, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I have more experience and I wish you would listen to me and the clients I've helped because they will tell you their relationship with food improved. They got great results and they gave me so much free marketing that I didn't know what to do with it. So if you're a coach, that's like, I'm just going to have people do habits and you probably only talk to them like once a week or twice a week. You're not doing anything for them. You just feel like you are. And you're probably giving too much information and check-ins. You're overwhelming people with stuff. And ultimately, it's not going to grow your business because you're not helping anybody. You just feel like you are. And they feel like you are. But that doesn't matter because feelings aren't what we're about when we're looking at objective data. And that's why we have people track because you have something to refer to when you're not getting where you want to go. Yeah, and I would agree with you because I've seen it over and over again. And just from my own experience, um, I mean, I feel like because I've been able to coach so many through different phases. Also, I've I've lived this experience, you yeah. know, like I've been that person who has dieted down and done all these things. I knew what it took. And I know we don't like always like to use our own experiences, but I'm sorry. I can share that, tell right, you what right. worked, see if that will help you. But when we start digging, like I had a client that actually responded to me one day and she's like, when you did basic stuff, Brandy, I understood you. Now you're with all this woo-woo shit. She's like, yeah. you lost me. What do I need to do with my macros in order to lose body fat? Because I don't, yes, I know I'm a busy person. Yes, I know I got all these things, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. But I'm like, and in my brain, I'm thinking, yeah, but you're not adhering to it. This is why this is difficult. But it's still basic shit. If I keep speaking yep. about the stuff that doesn't really truly resonate with them at that point eventually it will because they'll connect the dots um i I mean something has to change right so even someone who is seasoned i've even had to evolve and understand that now i'm giving out too much now i'm not doing the thing that was working before because somehow like you said i have to be the end all i have to be helping every part of their journey what but the only part they asked me for was fat loss right and all that other stuff comes with it like they're they're going to have to change behaviors to hit the macros and to lose the fat. And that's what people are trying to change. It's like that's going to change by default. They're going to try to sleep better. They're going to be more active because then they could eat more food. They're going to drink more water and less soda and juice. Like they're going to plan their meals because they're going to realize that playing macro Tetris at the end of the day is a pain in the ass. So it's like people still come at me to this day that tracking is wrong. And I'm like, guys, I don't know what to tell you, but I built a business sitting on my ass on a cell phone in a few years and sold it because we had people track and everything that needed to improve in their life improved because of these numbers. I I just, it's, I'm at a loss at this point because everyone's like, no, you got to talk about the habits and this. It's like, Dude, that stuff comes with it. It does. And I would agree with you. I remember I would say, and I I learned this from Precision Nutrition, I think back in the days, like they they always said, like, if you've got five habits, 
list them and see. And by default, it was interesting. I would always ask my clients this, like, what are the five things that you want to smash? Right. And they would list them and I'd be like, okay, so just doing one and two is going to take all five of them out. 100%. Like by default. And they were just like, what? And I'm like, if you were to take those two by default, you will see everything change. And so like, again, I even recognize in myself that I got further and further away from the basic shit, Mike, because again, and I guess my story here is like, I'm still here. How many years later? I don't have tens of thousands of followers, but I have success. I have referrals all the time. And so like, for me, it's just like going back to the basics, I think makes sense. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you because I do believe that I started to take on shit that was not necessary. Sure. I can learn more things, but it wasn't necessary. So that all being said though, there is another thing that I think that coaches are missing or maybe not doing well. And I am one to admit this is that we don't share enough of the yep. success. Now, here's why I don't. And you can yeah. give me your feedback if you want, but a lot of my belief comes from the fact that, I was actually, this has just changed recently too, is that if I were to show pictures, it doesn't tell the story, right? So like someone can lose a whole bunch of weight, let's say it's 50 pounds, and they're like, wow, look at the, that transformation. A lot of people love to see that. But then I don't share those pictures because number one, client is not ready to share their story. They still have so much shame and guilt after even losing 50 pounds. They're still not proud that they had to hire somebody, right? Um, so I don't do those progress pictures. I often talk a little bit about it and stuff like that, yeah. but I, you know, and I'll have a testimonial here and there, but I do think I've changed my thought on this. And here's why I was influenced by how other people looked and the changes they've made. Right. I was also influenced and understood things a little bit different. Like I knew that something had to change even for myself. Cause I've had in my past a shitty relationship with food and all that. And so like for me seeing someone actually be successful with a coach was important because that's what I would say to my clients is like, if you want to hire somebody, hire somebody who's got a, you know, a reputation and yada, yada, yada. So I do think that people need to share or coaches need to share their stories a little bit more about their client transformations. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I hope I can be concise with my thoughts here. It's there's this thing, right? Where where a lot of coaches are like, I don't want to share the pictures because I don't want I don't want to give the impression that the bigger version was a worse version. And I understand that. But the reality is people want to lose fat for again whatever reason they want to lose it. I'm not a lose fat at all costs type person. I don't think people should just starve themselves skinnier. I think that's silly. But Most of the people we're talking about, the coaches, they're pretty good coaches and they're doing things right. I think that there is no greater piece of marketing than a before and after picture. And I would argue to the people that say they shouldn't do them. I would say you might, without even realizing this, you might be doing these people a disservice because the people that are going to buy your service based on before and after pictures with a story, of course, I always think you should sell a story are going to go after that picture regardless. So if you're not the one doing it, someone else is going to be doing it. And that other coach or company might be worse than you. So you might have a moral obligation to be the one that helps these people lose the fat, do it right, maintain it, and live happily ever after than some other shit company that's going to just starve them skinny. So when I would post before and afters of our clients... I knew people would be like, ooh, wow, this is crazy. I'm going to do that program because 
I knew they were in way better hands with us than they would be with someone else. So if we weren't posting those pictures, they would see these pictures somewhere and they might go to that company. So I said, we might as well be the one doing it. Give them what they want. Sell them what they need, which is the better life via all the other habits. And they'll be leaner. Like I just... I think it's this like moral superiority complex that coaches have about before and after pictures that is misguided and it's costing them success and actually helping people. Yeah. And you know what, Mike, you like, it's wholly resonant. What you just said resonates with me. I hope it makes sense. I feel like I was all over the place. No, you weren't because (laughs) I can say that that's what you said is partly why I didn't though, because I made this assumption, but also too, why I want to. Because I am the, I am the coach who does see pictures being posted and I know of that said coach and I'm like, Oh, I know their methods. I know because I've been, I've worked with some of their clients. So like for me, it's like, Oh, I got to jump on that. Right. Like I should be doing that. Where I find the problem is, is when you have clients that don't give you the permission and it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You never will never, ever, ever post pictures that are not approved by the the members. Like, yeah. I mean, that's cool with it. Yeah, like, but yeah. again, you have that option. But here's the other question I have for you. So you've been a coach, you built a and a successful business, your own fitness level. What was it prior to? Because you, you know, you you worked um, a regular job as well. So what was your fitness level prior to, while you became successful and mm-hmm. grow growing the company, and then also to like once you were done in terms of like your own fitness level and stuff and how you prioritize that as a coach because here's 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 the big question if you're going all in when did you have time for your own fitness and how could you how could you dare talk about this to people if you too if you were not yeah. following your own advice yeah so i always followed my own advice um i just had different levels of like strength so like when i first started i was working with complete human performance alex viado's company which was amazing. I was the strongest I've ever been. I was the fastest I ever been. I think I worked out maybe like an hour and a half a day. So I could have easily maintained that throughout my stronger you journey running the business. What I didn't care for over time was I didn't care for strength. Like I did. I didn't want to put my body through all those workouts that I had to do. I didn't want to be as sore. I was, I shifted more or less to like a more quality life, general health, fitness aspect rather than let me just try to get really strong. So that was it. I think that coaches do have an obligation to take care of themselves in some way um, because you're going to have people do the things that you say to do. And if you can't do them yourself, I think that's an issue. Now, I don't think this is more for food than it is fitness. I think of like fitness stuff more like like a head coach of a football team these guys are not throwing footballs across a field, like, but they can tell you how to do it. In fitness, you can probably teach someone to do a muscle up. It doesn't mean you have to do it. In food, though, if you're telling people how to reduce stressful situations and emotional eating, you have to be the one to do it. Because if you don't, I feel like it's, in a way, and maybe this is controversial, it's a little fraudulent. Because you're on one end saying, oh, yeah, you know, here's what you got to do. And then on the other end, you're hanging up your phone and then you're going to crush all the cookies. So what is it, right? You have to be able to do some of the things that you're having your clients do. Now, I understand life happens and I'm not saying coaches have to be like, 
this statuesque person, but you have to handle your health in a way that is similar to what you have your members do. I would agree. That's, I don't think it's, it is controversial because I, I agree. And I feel like on one hand, you're going to have the people that are really like, well, how you can't judge a book by its cover. But I'm like, well, but here's the problem I have with that but, though. If that but you're not book, right. I don't think you are. Well, but if that book is not willing to be authentic and true, then it's fraudulent in my opinion, yeah. because I have worked with coaches who have had issues with food, who yep. are coaching issues with food and are, they're yep. not successful with me, but they're yep. coaching it to other people. And part of me is like, did you hire me to get the deeds on how to do it? Yeah. Or, you know, you know what I mean? And so like, there's a, there's that part of me that kind of like, is it because you can't walk the talk that you have hired myself to get more information on how to learn how to do this so that you can feel better about your own coaching ability? And it's, and I, maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm probably causing a lot of people to just hate me right there by saying that, but that's yeah. what I see sometimes. And I do think that it's important that if you should go through some of the trenches and you are successful, successful, share that. But also when you slip, it's okay to share that, but also not a hundred percent. No one says you have to be a complete open book, right. but I do think that like an example would be myself. I, I like to coach building a better relationship with food and talking about that and why adherence is such a big deal. Like if mm -hmm. you don't eat carbohydrates because you fucking fear them. Yes. I drop that bomb. Sorry. Then that's a problem. So fix that. But I can't just say that. I know that because I actually lived and breathed that for many, many years. And right. here's how I ha handled my situation. And here's where I'm at now. I don't try to hide behind some kind of like secret formula. This is life. This is what I've been doing as a coach. And this is what I think could help you. And I do walk the talk. And so like, that's why I want to ask you that question because again, super busy. I imagine that sometimes some of your nutrition and fitness goals can take the back burner. And I just wanted to get some insight into how that was for you, even as a coach handling that, maybe knowing that about yourself. Yeah. And that's like, I, I mean, you have to, I identify with being a healthy person. Mm. It's a part of my life. It doesn't mean I look like a jacked ripped monster. I just look like a normal fit dude. Like I don't have visible abs. I'm not deadlifting 500 pounds, but I am able to live a life that doesn't make me tired when I run around with my kids or climb stairs or whatever. So I don't know. I mean, it's super controversial, but it shouldn't be. If you're in the field of making people more fit and healthy and you cannot do any of the things yourself, yeah. I, I think maybe you should have a different job. And that's not to be a jerk. I think it's just like, it's like anything, right? Like the dentist with bad teeth shouldn't be telling you how to get good teeth. They should be doing it themselves to be something that is practicing what they preach at least a little bit, you know, I, you just said everything I, I truly do believe in. So thank you for saying that. And, and I, I agree. I agree. I'll, I'll so, take the hit there. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if someone like, and again, just to reiterate, I'm not saying you have to look like this Arnold Schwarzenegger character. You just have to be a healthier person. And, but, but Mike, if I'm being honest though, I ask yeah. these questions of my of like clients, but also, and cause they'll ask, they'll tell me why they hired me. And one of the main reasons is I've been told numerous times that I am the most consistent coach they've ever met. 
that I'm yeah. not like gaining body fat and trying to put on muscle and I'm not trying to lose body fat. I'm kind of, I'm maintaining and I'm a yeah. mom. And like, you know, I resonate with a lot of people, but I don't think that, I don't think you're wrong with what you're saying. I think yeah. it's one of those things that's important because um, I've asked clients, if you had to choose between someone who looks the part versus someone who doesn't look the part, which would you choose first? The automatic is like, you got to look the part. Okay. Now they look the part, but they know nothing, but this person is a strength coach. They know everything about it, but they don't have specific goals in mind. Now, how would you view that? Then they start thinking about, okay, well, how, where's this expertise and how does that line up with my goals? Because some people still might choose the person who looks better or in their, in their opinion looks better. It's again, it's like, it's just marketing. It's like, I know a lot of coaches and they, they go to parties with their little t-shirts on and they get clients all the time. Yeah. And it's like this, I'm sorry guys, it's just the world we live in and it's going to, people are going to, they're going to ask you questions. Yeah. It's just how it, how it goes. And if I'm the bad guy for, for that, I'll be the bad guy with all my other opinions as well. Yeah, I, but this is why I like you. I, I, and this is not to, again, like make you feel any better of a human either. Yeah. I truly love that you are willing to speak from not only your, yeah. you're sharing the wisdom, but you have experience and you've seen it and you've done way more than I could ever imagine in a shorter period of time too. And I think you're younger than me too. Um, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I value your opinion and I critically think about what you're saying because we are not always going to line up. Um, But I think that it's important to have these conversations because it's going to open some, I think it's going to open some minds to some, some coaches out there. So I have one more question and then we can talk a little bit about you personally. When we as coaches are in a very, what I would call saturated field now, I think online became huge over the pandemic. Yes. How are these coaches supposed to stand out? Because we all blend. Yeah. So I'll just, again, kind of talking to the point before, show your damn work. I follow so many coaches and I cannot tell you how many show what they can do. Yeah. Everyone says what correct words and processes and tells me about protein and tells me to go for walks and tells me to go to sleep. Show me a freaking client. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be half naked pictures. It can be just a text from someone that says, Hey coach, I love what you're doing for me. This is really cool. Thank you. I used to share the crap out of that, but people are scared to mess with their algorithm on Instagram. All they want to do is post the things that get shares and likes, and they don't know if a text from Mary from Indiana is going to get them likes. Well, it's probably not, but people will see it and they'll start to realize that this coach who says all this compelling stuff actually can help people. Yeah. And that's my that's my biggest thing with that. It's like show me what you can do. And if you don't, I think you're either afraid of messing with the algorithm or you don't have clients to share. So you have to stand out somehow because yeah. you really do all look the same these days. Everyone's got the Twitter posts. Everyone's <laughs> got the reels. Everyone's lifting weights in a corner of a gym, but where are the normal people who you claim to help? Yeah, no. And I would agree. And I am again, it's almost like, I feel like this is the diary of, of coach B. I I don't do it enough. I know I don't. And part of me is because I think I felt jaded. I think I felt jaded for a little bit in the, in the industry. I just felt like, Oh my gosh, there's so many of us now. Yeah. It's, and 
you you have said it. I think you had you and I had a private DM about this, but like there's so much misinformation and toxic messaging that it's making it difficult. So like, I just kind of like, Oh, sometimes I just shut down around it because yeah. I've been here so long and maybe that's an excuse. That's not me quitting. It's me being frustrated with the industry and just being okay. So, but then if I let that frustration drive me, then I'm, yeah. I'm screwed. So I have to be like, okay, you gotta, you just gotta move forward and just yep. do your thing because you know what you do. You do it well. You've got the clients, you've got all those things. So yeah. I think it's really and important. media. Up. Social media isn't the only place to get clients. Like yeah. most of my, or not most, but maybe a ton of my early clients were people I knew in real life and yeah. situations I would put myself in that were uncomfortable to get in front of potential customers. Yeah. And people aren't willing to do that. They just aren't. They're not willing to have conversations with strangers in Starbucks. They, they would rather sit behind a computer typing words and ask, where are my clients? Where are my clients? They're sitting right in front of you and you're afraid to talk to them. Well, that's where they are. Well, and being online because that's my thing. So I went, I was an in-person trainer. And if I were to actually look back in-person training slash online coaching was my sweet spot yep. because I was in, I always had that in-person thing, that connection, but I'm in the field. I'm out there. People see what yeah. I do. And then I'd be at a Starbucks because that's where I would meet clients. Hey, come have a coffee yeah. with me. And then people are like, what right. do you do? And like the baristas would be like, you're here all the time. What do you do for a living? And then th that conversation would happen. So I would, I would agree with you. And the one thing that I've realized, so those coaches out there that you're, if you're strictly online, you better be freaking creative because you yeah. are online and yes you're living your best life you can be anywhere but you aren't actually in the face of people yeah. and you can hide behind typing and do all that and what i realized over the pandemic it was some of my busiest yet quietest times i've ever experienced in all my years of coaching which is why and this is going to be a little bit of, and again very very quick i did decide to pivot i am back mm -hmm. in school but I don't think everybody has to do what I'm doing because I'm just purely upgrading. I want right. this because I actually want to pivot a little bit about, about what I do. And I need this in order to do that. But do coaches need more certifications to stand out or yeah. like, what are your thoughts uh, on that? No, they just, more people need to know what they do. And yeah. when you're online, there's a lot of other people. Um, I don't know if the people you want to help are seeing what you post. So you have to think about that. You have to think about where are the potential customers. Yeah. They might not be online because most people could have a really good career if they just helped a few people in their local community. No, and that's what you have to figure out. Like, what, what do you want? Yeah. Because if you're, if you're happy with your income and the amount of people you're helping, then, and you just want to post online, then keep doing that. But if you're not where you want to be, then maybe you have to try something else. And it's something I tell so many of our colleagues, like, you get annoyed when your when your clients don't do what you ask them to do, but you're the same way when it comes to business. Mm -hmm. You just sit there and look for the quick fix, and there is no quick fix. It's the uncomfortable stuff that you get used to, and then you just do, and then that's what pays the dividends. Yeah, I remember when I was at my local CrossFit box here. That's where most of my clients, um, like it was either when I was a personal trainer on the floor. Most of my clients, if I was just in a CrossFit, yeah. uh, you know, community uh, doing a class. Um, now I'm back in the gym and again, I'm every day somebody asks me like, I love how you train or what is it that you do? And I mean, I wear my gear. It says yeah. it. And I do that on purpose. I want people to come up to me and say, 
you're a nutrition coach. What does that mean? What do you do? Can you help me? Can you help my kids? Right? So those things, and that's free marketing guys. Like just get some t-shirts or whatever, get a mug. (laughs) I don't remember if you saw, but when I was working, I still had, I had a laptop sticker branded with stronger you that said, um, ask me nutrition questions. And if you're shy, go to StrongerU.com. Oh, I love like, that. And sometimes people would just walk up to me because everybody's nosy. Like if they see you in the same coffee shop all the time, they're going to be like, oh, what does this person do? And I'm going to invite them to be nosy. Go to my website and see. Yeah. It's stupid stuff like that. Drop business cards in Barnes and Noble. Put them in books. Like yeah. you know all the junk diet books that are in these places. You're not a junk diet coach, so just put your cards in there. Oh, I it's love that. Funny. <laughs> and then you just put like, and this is the thing: you just post it online, and everybody laughs. And then you become playful, and someone that people like and trust, and cool. Yeah. It's just I, all these little silly things, you know. It's it's and it's coming from someone who has walked the talk and has the experience and has the wisdom, and I love that. So okay, so you're retired now. Yeah. Can I, I want to know what's your perspective on like? Okay, you're. You're an at-home dad, whatever you want to call yourself. I don't even know what you call yourself, but yeah. whatever. Um, I love it. What's <laughs> Has anything changed about your approach now that you're at home with your kids, with your wife, with yourself, in terms of your nutrition and your fitness, now that you're out of the game but kind of still in the game, I guess? Like, has anything changed? In terms of my views on nutrition or Yeah, or just like just your – like, yeah, like I guess even in the household, has anything changed now that you have kids? Like that's actually the question I want to have because yeah, I Yeah, I mean I was always – like I, I, the one thing is like, oh my god, it's so much busier than you ever thought anyone dealt with. So yeah. for those people that I was like, oh, you can just – you can figure it out. Like I'm sorry, right? That's just typical inexperience of a dude that didn't have kids yet. Um, with that said, I was always – I think pretty good at putting myself in people's shoes and seeing what they might've been going through Mm -hmm. and just seeing, seeing the result of how people's parents messed them up with food has made me so careful with how I do things with my daughters. Like there's just, it's so easy to make mistakes and say like, Oh, don't eat too much of that. Or you shouldn't have a cookie or I'll give you a treat after you eat your vegetables. Like these things are not how you should talk about food with kids. Like clean your plate before you do this. Like just, just stuff like that I think is making me super, super aware. And I just want to prepare my kids for like healthy lifestyles where they don't have to worry about food or fear food or think they eat a cupcake and it goes to their, their hips. Like these are common things that like, our parents probably said to us or our grandparents said to our parents. So I think that's the biggest thing is just being aware of the language around food, even more so than I was. I would, I can relate with you because I was, before I had kids, I was bodybuilding and that was, you know, it's a whole, you know, it's a different extreme sport. Yeah, Yeah. It's legit. And when I, when I had my first daughter, I, I was, I was battling with my body image and food and all that kind of stuff. And then fast forward to having my other daughter five years later. And then now I'm in it I'm back in the throes. Cause I was always in the gym. Like I, I was a trainer back when I was 19 years old. Right. Yeah. So like coming back into it after competing, I lost my mom and then I went back to competing again. People ask me all the time, like, how did you do it with the girls in the house? Like, how are they not like their own eating disorders? And I'm like, yeah. because I did make a conscious, conscious effort to not, talk about dieting they knew i was participating in a sport but even then 
we talk about it now. Once my, my oldest is going to be 22. My, my youngest is 17. And we do talk about the past, what I was like as someone who was a bodybuilder in the house. Um, what's changed. And I always ask them, like, did I ever really have that negative influence around food with you? And they were just like, always curious as to why I ate differently. Mm-hmm. And so like, for me, it was really important to always focus on the fact that everything in moderation. And so like when, if people were to see my pantry, Mike, they probably roll over and be like, you are not a nutrition coach. In fact, same here, hundred percent. Same. Here. I had a, I everything that people think they aren't supposed to eat, Yeah. but I have everything that people do think they're supposed to eat as well. Right. Well, and I had in my Facebook group and I have about 450 members in there. I posted a picture of a, a Cobb's bread. So up here it's like white bread, whatever. It's so mm. good. And her, she actually made a post or a comment and said, I'm, you're using white bread. Yeah. And I'm like, couldn't you use wheat? Like who, who made us think that like we couldn't have yeah. white bread or white rice? Like, oh, the years I, I spent not having white rice and eating brown rice. And Could you imagine, like right? Cardboard. Yeah. Ugh, so yeah. I feel like that's really important. So I've always been that parent who's really tried really hard to not label food either and just everything in moderation. And like, I mean, honestly, I don't want them to go through what I went through. So I really think about that and I I try to make that effort. And even when I have their friends come over and they make comments about other people's bodies or food, I'm just like, well, let's try not to talk about how people look or whatever. You don't know their story, but here's the thing. What's important is that you like what you're doing, that you found a, you know, an exercise program that you like or a sport you like and that you're eating food. I don't care that you eat McDonald's. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I actually don't care. And so unless you're a paying client, I'm really not. I'm I'm glad you said that because I feel like there's so many people, like even like clients of the past that maybe gained weight back and like have hid from me that think I would judge them. And I'm like, I don't care if that's what you want to do. That's totally fine with me. Like. I'm here to help the people that want the help. Yeah. And if you don't want that and you want to just do whatever, that's totally cool. Like most of my friends are not in shape. Like I, no one cares. Like I'm not just this judgmental person. I just, I'll help you if you want to get help. That's it. Mike, this has been really, truly amazing. I appreciate it. We had to reschedule because I had some technical problems last week. We talked about technology. We can't rely on that. Um, I really do appreciate your time. I feel like this is a conversation that can go on and on and on. And maybe one of these days we will have a roundtable with a bunch of other people in the room where we can actually have real good conversations so that coaches, but also just regular humans in the world can understand what this industry is all about and what to look for and all that kind of stuff. But that all being said, where can people find you? Uh, probably Instagram at Mike Dola. That's where I rant about food sometimes. Uh, that's where I post pictures of my lovely kids and my Lego collection and the pasta shop I'm a part owner in. That's, yes, you uh, are. I love that. That's what I'm I love that. Yeah. It's been great. Oh, so I appreciate your time. Um, for all of you, if you don't give him a follow, make sure you are because he is amazing. And honestly, I think you're one of the more authentic, honest humans in the industry that I do appreciate. So I want to thank you so much for being here. And um, I guess that's it. I don't know. Like, did you have any last words you want to share with the, with the audience at all? No, just uh, focus on what makes you happy and go for that thing. It doesn't have to be more money or less weight or whatever. Just it's usually the simple stuff. It is right. And you're not wrong there. So anyways, all right, guys, that's it. That's all I have for you guys. We'll see you on the next episode. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. And don't forget to tag me at Motivate and Be Fit and follow or subscribe on the podcast app of your choice. And please don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This allows the podcast to grow while helping more people figure their shit out. Chat to you next week.